Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Hyland, and this is CI for Life. Welcome to another CI for Life podcast. I'm here with my special guest, Charles Mathis. Charles, welcome to the podcast. Rick, thanks so much. It's it's a real pleasure to be here. You were a wonderful guest on our podcast, and I'm excited to continue the conversation with you. Well, I enjoyed it so much a few weeks ago. I wanted to have you on mine and talk about really kind of three points that I know you're passionate and in your sweet spot around leadership, around strengths, and around revitalizing manhood. And I think all those topics are interesting to our listeners around continuous improvement. But before we dive in, why don't you give a little bit of background and introduce yourself? Sure. So I have a 35-year career, mostly in, in education and leadership. I've been a classroom teacher. I've been a middle school teacher. Won't do that again. Uh, <laughs> I've been, a, been an outdoor leadership instructor. I've led uh, clients and students up to the highest point in Wyoming, down into the depths of the Grand Canyon. And all along, all throughout that career, mentoring people in leadership in communication and, and in particular in compassionate uh, strength-based leadership, person-based leadership that kind of came out of the outdoor education world through folks like Kurt Hahn and, and others. And now I'm working to, to talk about that in the, in the business sphere. Businesses are beginning to adopt some of those ideas from, from outdoor leadership and, and uh, person-based leadership. Very good. And that set me down this, yeah, that sent me down this really uh, revive for me, revitalizing path of of mentoring teen boys and helping them make the moves that they need to make to become good, healthy men. Yeah, so that leads me to a point you brought up with me a couple to find. What do you mean by redefining strength? Talk talk that through with uh, the listeners. Yeah, you bet. I think I saw it in those teen boys. I what I saw with them is when we would take them on a long hike or take them on a ride of passage weekend to do some pretty intense emotional things with them, sometimes to the point where they would cry or rage or kind of crack open and display this vulnerability and share with us the things that they didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to share, that they had kept hidden, that had been secret, that afterward they didn't look weak or broken down. They looked strong. Um, being open and honest and real doesn't break them down. Huh. And then I started applying some of that in my own relationships and in in particular, my own loving relationships and noticing I too, that when I was vulnerable, when I was open, when I expressed weakness, even when I expressed fear that I actually ended up feeling more capable. Yeah. I, I can tie into that from the standpoint for a two, three year period, I was going to 12 step with people that were trying to overcome addiction. Uh, and uh, boy, Charles, I've never felt more vulnerability, compassion, love, honesty, all those words than when people are sharing, you know, it, it, uh, the worst of themselves, if you will, um, right. uh, to get stronger. And uh, boy, the love in the room, the compassion in the room because of the honesty was huge. And, and, and you mean, these, these then were men that I, I was in with, uh, you would go to war with one another. Is that kind of the idea yeah. is that by getting yeah. more honest and more vulnerable? 
Right. Well, we've been told, you know, one paradigm of strength that we've been told and sold over and over again is that you're strong when you can uh, win and somebody else is losing. You're strong when you have power over somebody. You're strong when you can oppress somebody else. You're strong when you can repress yourself. I call, I call those the four bullets of, of old strength, right? Win, lose, power over, uh, uh, oppression and repression. And you know, I even, I even tried that. I mean, I always tried to be the smartest guy in the room. That was part of my part of my way to be successful, right? And then I started looking around and wondering why people kept moving me into a different room. Like, huh, <laughs> why, why why am I not being successful here? Um, but there's this other. It's not really new strength. It's been in all kinds of traditions, indigenous traditions, religious traditions, throughout history. This idea that that strength is really can be community based. It can be win win. It can be power with, it can be inclusion, and it can be vulnerability. And those are all aspects of strength. And we're really finding out, especially as leadership and entrepreneurship kind of take on diversity and inclusion as part of, you know, whether it's mandated, asked for, or whatever, we're just noticing that inclusive organizations do better, right? That Deloitte survey showed that, you know, organizations are going to be six times more successful if they're inclusive than if they're not. So it's it's time to do it, right? It's time to redefine that strength. And I I call it redefining strength because I imagine that men in particular, because we've been taught all of this other, this old paradigm of strength, men don't want to imagine that they're being asked to be soft or that they're being asked right. to be weak or that they're being asked to be quiet. No, we're asking you to be strong in a in a new way, in a different way. If that yeah, makes a sense. different a different version of strength. Yeah. But Charles, yeah. it's interesting because I've often thought about the same idea that from sports and competing to win against the other team or individual or even business, right? Or even business school or, you know, you've got to fight to get the best grade. And, you know, but I think what you're saying is to do the very best in, in real world, you know, leadership or winning is is different and has to be inclusive and has to be engaging and Particularly, if you want to be a leader, you can't just stomp out everybody else and win it all. Win it, you know, your benefit and their cost, right? Is that right? That kind right. of a paradigm. Yeah, like Simon Sinek says, you know, uh, leadership isn't a role; it's a choice, and it's being a leader really means that you're looking out for everyone. Yeah. You know, leaders, leader, real leaders are not the ones pushing other people into the burning building, going. <laughs> That's great. You know, real leaders are the ones going in there and pulling pulling people out, right? That's what that's what real leadership is like. And I'm sure, you know, you and your clients and the success you've had in RLG, you know, you're count you're coaching leaders to be stronger for their people, um, not just for their own personal gain. It's wonderful to get bonuses. It's wonderful to get promotions, but we're noticing if we don't protect everybody with us, behind us, under us, whatever, whatever preposition you want to use, you know, we can't really move forward. Yeah. Another way to say this problem or opportunity, and I agree, I, we could, we could talk about 10 studies that show engagement and conclude inclusion can drive more profitability and in, improve performance. But, you know, often promotions are made based on experience or expertise not necessarily on leadership capability. And obviously I'm generalizing and some companies do much better, but 
I still see that problem and maybe this fits into your old versus new, but yeah. it's so tempting as a, as a leader that doesn't know the technology or doesn't have the expertise on how to fix the equipment or whatever factory or manufacturer may be. It's so tempting to promote for expertise. They know the kit, they know the equipment, yeah. they know the process versus someone that can really draw them out uh, from others. So I, I still Absolutely. see that as an issue out there. You see the same thing and that's why you're advocating this way. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had my own story of failure, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not coaching from, from a position of like, I know how to do this all the time. I, Perfection. I, yeah. yeah, no, I was a, I was a program director for a, a mid-sized nonprofit. I had a, you know, a staff of several hundred volunteers and then I got promoted to executive director and I promptly forgot all of the things, all of the lessons that I had learned about new strength and started trying to manage through uh, direction and, you know, top down power over. I was very frustrated with my employees. They were incredibly frustrated with me. I nearly lost my job. The board, the board got involved. And, and fortunately, instead of canning me because uh, I'd created such a bad morale, they got me an executive coach. And that's when I could really dig into these concepts of like, oh, this is about leading with values. Oh, it's about listening. Oh, it's about being vulnerable. And I had to be really vulnerable with my team mm, Love it. and say, I need help. I'm, I'm screwing up you guys. I'm so sorry for how I've treated you. I'm so, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I need your help to be the best I can be. And all of their, almost in the moment, Rick, all of their, their anxiety and their frustration with me melted away. And we became a, we became a team and they had my back and I, I did my best to have theirs. And it got okay. to the point where, you know, I, they were, they were starting to do things like, Hey, we're going to do the, the new trainings this way. And I'd be like, I'm thinking that's not how I would do it, but you guys go and make that happen. And I know that if it doesn't work, you'll fix it. Yeah. yeah and that I, freed up all of this example. energy. I yeah. That. Yeah. And now I'm not scared as a leader. I'm not watching my back. Uh, they know I have their back and it freed me up to do all kinds of other, you know, executive director things like write grants and raise money and do all that stuff I was supposed to do rather than, you know, handpicking them. Yeah. And, and it's so tempting to think, okay, I'm the leader. I have to be the smart. I have to know the answer versus pull it out of your team. And uh, it shows vulnerability to you. And, and I know you've shared your own personal story here. And I think we all have that is, but how do you make that switch? And for you, it sounded like yeah. it was coaching and awareness yeah. from, okay, I don't have to be the expert in everything. I don't have to be the know-it-all. In fact, people don't like know-it-alls. Yeah. I need to be able to pull this out of the team and it'll make their ownership for the solution and their results better. Yeah. Um, what, what other examples and or solutions on how to make that shift uh, do you have for the listeners, Charles? Well, I think in particular for the men listening, just noticing that you've kind of been sold a way of being masculine and strong that is probably sometimes getting in the way of your success mm -hmm. as a parent, as a partner, and as a professional. Um, so how can you, you know, that's been marketed to you, right? That's, that's, that's not yours. That's not natural. That's been sold to you. So how can you kind of set that aside and become more authentic? And it can, it can be really challenging. I still have to remind myself to really listen to my wife. 
like, okay, put down the phone, you know, get, get your body language squared away, face her, really listen to her so that she feels appreciated. Um, and like I said, I've made mistakes even after that, you know, sort of new, new team formation with my, with my uh, nonprofit team, I still had to keep reminding myself to speak last, not to try and speak first and be the, be the smartest guy in the room. I kept having to remind myself or I kept catching myself, you know, asking yes, no questions instead of open-ended questions or being directive instead of coaching. So there, I kind of have, my big recommendation is to fake it till you make it because yeah. there's a lot of kind of almost personal and almost spiritual work to do to, for me anyway, to kind of shift my ego so that my ego wasn't so dependent on, you know, winning. And that took breathing and that took being out in nature that took all kinds of work, but I could fake it till I made it by creating structures that, and, and habits that supported me even when I didn't remember to do it right. So, okay. Don't speak first. Okay. Got it. Don't speak first. Don't speak first. (laughs) Um, Ask open-ended questions. Okay. 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 Um, You know, open every meeting with a check-in so that there's emotional and, and relational content in every meeting. I'm Charles. I'm feeling excited. Just got to see my family for Easter. And I'm really looking forward to the rest of this week creating, you know, new spreadsheets or whatever it is, you know, everybody doing a check-in like that. So those were just little, little uh, pieces that we put in place to make sure that even when I in particular would slip up, it, it would, there was support for, for new growth and new habits. Yeah, And I really appreciate you bringing up the home and parenting and being a partner, being a good partner. Um, and I think these same lessons apply to being a good husband or, or you know, and, and how we respect uh, the people in our lives and, and our children, et cetera, et cetera. So these, right, the same, the exact same yeah. solutions yeah. work and honor and, and uh, you know, it takes almost a paradigm shift to get this idea that I don't have to be the smartest. I don't have to have all the answers um, because, you know, under stress, and I've been there as you have. Under stress, you do feel this sense of urgency to deliver whatever the project and or bottom line you're trying to in your business. And that it really takes some discipline to slow yourself down, take the breath, realize you need to pull this through and get the engagement of the hearts and minds and best ideas out of the group so that your idea plus their ideas can equal, you know, three and five and 10 yeah. Uh, together. Yeah. But yeah, the application is exact same for the home uh, to yeah. your point. Right. And if you, yeah, exactly. If you can, if you can't do it, if you, if you, if you're really struggling with it, you're hearing this and you say, I try it and I keep messing up, you know, get help. That's yes. one of the, that's one of the, the four gifts of new strength, right. Is that vulnerability to ask for help get an executive coach, you know, uh, get a family therapist to work with your, work with your faith leader to, to downshift your ego, you know, whatever it takes, this is hard. It's hard. It's really simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. So, you know, find other men who are working on it, find a men's group, you know, sit in a circle and, and complain there instead of, instead of complaining to your wife or your, or your, or your kids or your employees, you know, find a, find a, a circle that can help you grow. You know, 12 step programs are amazing at this kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, that's great advice. Find, find, get help from, if you're struggling with it, don't just struggle on your own, get some expert help in any of those solutions there. Yeah. I love that, Charles. Great. So what are some of the interesting things you're doing 
with this material around strength and revitalizing manhood and new new paradigm shift? Are are you speaking, coaching? I know you're podcasting. How are you trying to apply these things and and bless people's lives? Well, we really want to. We're really excited to announce that April fifteenth we'll be releasing the first six episodes of the Remaking Manhood podcast that I'm doing with Mark Green. Mark Green is the author of Remaking Manhood and the Little Me Too book for men. And we've just been having conversations with men from uh, all over the place, uh, black men, white men, Hispanic men, older men, younger men, uh, speaking in particular to men who have kind of made the made the leap or, or sort of stepped off the hierarchical, you know, doggy dog ladder to find community to find a, a better life to to get away from that that hierarchy and and dominance based madness and embrace those four gifts of new strength. So really excited about these first six episodes, first seven episodes. So that'll be uh, April fifteenth, and people can find it on Spotify, iTunes wherever else that's the remaking manhood podcast. And yep, I'm doing public speaking and, and facilitating webinars. One of my, one of my webinars is, uh, or, or workshops is, uh, do more by caring less. <laughs> okay. Say, say more about that one. Now you, now you that's a great hook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I was surprised when I, I just threw that, that line on there as a temporary uh, title for that workshop, but all of my, all of my advisors and mentors are saying, what to tell me more about that. Um, it's, it's, it's part and parcel with this that like you mentioned earlier, like in your relationships in particular, but also in, in professional work, not getting urgent and hooked into what the problem seems to be. And, you know, getting urgent and hooked, we, we started calling frapping when I was working with boys and that stands for fix, rescue, advise, or project. Mm. And when we're, when we're frapping, we're hooked, we're urgent, we're, we're trying to solve the problem, we're trying to make it go away. Uh, we're not necessarily creating new capacities in the people that we're working with. We're not, you know, when I try and fix my wife's frustration with her computer, I'm not helping her. Right. I'm just making life better for me so I don't have to hear her complain about it. Right. Uh, you know, if I can detach from her urgency, detach from her frustration, then I can just be a supportive person. And that's the same with working with working with clients, working with employees, uh, even even working with the management above you, you know, being able to shift into, you know, listen, accept and coach kind of kind of. Uh, relationships instead of that frapping relationship. So what's the P stand for again? I like that acronym. What was the last project? Project. Yeah. Fix, rescue, advisor, project. So I make, I make it about me, you know, or I I tell you like, well, this is what I would do. Or why are you yelling, you know, kind of blaming them for, for uh, creating the problem or or making me uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Let me give you a case study and then you can coach me up on it because I've fallen Mm. into this trap under stress. Yeah. Project. We we've we've promised to deliver X for a client and um by this date, and it looks I'm getting starting to get really nervous that the promise I made to the C-suite executive that we're not going to make it. And I start to project what that will do for me and make me look bad and or embarrassed and or in under stress, then that projection. I, I'm, I'm more, you know, tense. I'm not acting like I'm my best self in a leadership role. How do you stop projecting? Cause even with your own kids or with a teenager, it's really oh. hard not to project Yeah, and how yeah. they're acting is a reflection on you rather than 
kind of detaching a little bit. So give me some counsel on either one of those scenarios at work under stress on a deadline and how that projects or with my teenagers. Right. Yeah. Asking open-ended questions is, is again, it's almost like a fake it till you make it. Like, can I, can I calm myself down? Can I open a big open-ended question that will make them talk a lot so that I can spend the time trying to breathe and figure out why my adrenaline is pumping or why I feel cortisol coming through my body. Yeah. So if it's, you know, so if it's an employee coming and saying, Rick, uh, we just found out that the machine that was supposed to be delivered today, that was going to, you know, do this process for us, that was going to deliver these widgets in time to meet our goal that that machine didn't get ordered on time and it's not going to be here for a week. Right. Like, Oh right. shit. I'm, you know, I'm a bad That's manager. It. I'm a, I, I didn't, I didn't delegate right. Or they messed this up. Is embarrassing for the customers, for the client. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, being able to ask an open-ended question like, well, what are your thoughts about what we can do about this? Yeah. Versus In, r- running yeah. into you, letting your emotions take over and running into a big rant or, uh, you know, making them feel horrible. Yeah. The, and, you know, remember that Nelson Mandela quote, it, it still applies here, right? I, I never lose, I either win or learn. So if you're not winning, Absolutely. how do we learn out of this scenario? But when the emotions and the, the adrenaline's flowing, it's really hard to detach like that. But I, I like your it idea. Is really hard. Your, your it is really hard. Around taking a deep breath, your counsel around, start asking questions when you really want to tell somebody off. It's is very good counsel. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And what, you know, what is, what is our job as a leader? Our job as a leader is to eventually replace ourselves, right? right? That's what sustainable leadership is. So if all I do is yell at that employee who didn't order the machine on time, or maybe they're just bringing me bad news, maybe it's not their fault at all. But if I instead ask, well, what are your thoughts about what we can do about this? Now they're being brought into leadership and problem solving instead of me immediately going into problem solving, cover my butt, you know, whatever it is. Right. I am now creating an ally who's invested in solving this problem together. I don't feel alone. I don't feel martyred. I feel safer. Somebody's got my back. So now I'm going to be able to go to the C-suite and say, okay, this is what happened, but we've come up with a solution. Right. Instead of trying to cover it up, fix it, you know put crap all over it to try and shield it from prying eyes, whatever it is. You know, it, it, it kind of a vulnerability plays a role here. And even in your earlier story, you know, being able to go to your team and say, Hey, um, this is disappointing. Uh, this makes you look bad. Me look bad. It disappoints the customer, but I really want to, you know, how can we learn best from this? So just being super open and vulnerable that, yeah, it's, it's embarrassing for all of us. It's embarrassing for me. It's embarrassing for the client. We didn't deliver, but we're a team. How do we learn from this? What's the best mitigation steps we can take? You know, let's yeah. stay calm. Kind of that openness yeah. and yeah. transparency applies here as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I like what you said about, you know, being able to express emotion to your team. You know, I'm feeling anxious about this. Yeah. I'm feeling embarrassed, whatever it is. And then there's that, but normally I try and stay away from butts. I try and use and more in my yeah. language than butts, but that, yeah. but that, but like, I feel anxious, but we're going to get through this. Yeah. I feel anxious, you know, but and. I want to hear your thoughts on it. And I want to hear your thoughts on it because as leaders, we can express emotion, but we, I don't want us to leave our employees or our family members on the hook for, you know, our emotions, for my emotions. And this is something I learned mentoring the boys. I can be vulnerable with a bunch of teenage boys that I'm mentoring and say, gosh, you know, I had a fight with my wife this morning. I'm really on edge. 
but I know that I'm going to go home and be able to speak to her because we have that kind of relationship and I can clean this up. So I can let them know about my interior life a little bit, but that I know how to take care of it. And as a leader, I can say, I feel anxious. I feel frustrated. I'm really freaked out right now. And, you know, we're going to get through this or, and I'm going to go work with my coach and we're going to come up with some ideas on how to fix this or whatever it is, just not leaving other people on the hook for, for our relationships, for our uh, emotions. Yeah. And, and you, that lesson you just taught there, I just want to underline for the listeners. If you're looking for a management leadership tip on yes. And just remember that one that Charles has talked about here. I remember learning that lesson and seeing people at RLG and our clients use that very uh, appropriately where you can listen to another person's argument and say, yes, I see that point. And what if we tried that, you know, so instead of correcting or making somebody feel bad or embarrassed, um, using that yes. And is a terrific conversation tool to leave the relationship in place, but try to additive on another idea, right? So build on the point you do agree on or that you do hear and is a great leadership tool in general. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you bet. You know, that came out of uh, improv comedy. You know, you never say no, or you never, you never uh, hijack somebody's thought in, in improv comedy. It's always yes. And you're always building on it. And if, you know, if they can make us laugh on Saturday night live and everywhere else, then we can, you know, we can do that in, in our boardrooms and our staff rooms and our break rooms and, and uh, make, uh, make things a little bit more fun, make things more additive. Yeah. So listeners try that next time you're in a big emotional conversation, go yes. And, and see if you can make the ideas additive rather than, you know, stopping the meeting with no action, no further progress. So, and even if you're not the leader, that is a great technique on how to build towards some uh, agreement rather than, you know, stop the meeting dead because you've got two opposing thoughts. So Charles, any other advice uh, for the listeners on these valuable topics of honesty, vulnerability, and real strength? And then say one more time where people can find you. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Again, I think, you know, reach out for, reach out for help, Uh, you know, dip your toe in it with, uh, you know, with maybe some, some Simon Sinek or some Brené Brown. They've both got great podcasts, but, but find a, find a coach. I know, I know Rick is doing coaching, Uh, you know, find, find a, a group of men who can, who can say, yeah, I've dealt with that too. I mean, that's one of the most powerful things is to, is to say, you know, either in a virtual room or a real room, like I'm really struggling with this. Does anybody else struggle with this? And you see the hands go up around the room, like, Oh, I'm not crazy. Okay, great. Um, So one of the places you can find me is on the redefining strength Facebook group where we do some of that. So if you just search for redefining strength on Facebook, ask to join the group, I'd love to uh, converse with people there. That would be great. And you can also find more about my speaking and facilitation at charlesmatthews.com. That's C-H-A-R-L-E-S-M-A-T-H-E-U-S, charlesmatthews.com. Okay. Pronounced Matthews, but E-U-S. Okay. Very Mm -hmm. good, Charles. And once again, it's great to spend time with you. I really love your insights on honesty, vulnerability, and having us as particularly men leaders being able to lead in a different way with new paradigms, new thoughts for increased effectiveness. So Charles, well done. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rick. Really enjoyed spending the time. Yeah, take care. And this has been another CI for Life podcast. Until next time, live a life of sustainable, continuous improvement. Goodbye. Goodbye.